0: But the thing is that most of the time um, we want something, not because we want it, but we want it because we are denying ourselves of it. It's, it's, it's that forbidden fruit effect, right? The second you tell yourself, I can't have this thing. All you want to do is eat that thing. It's like the same thing when you tell a child, don't touch that hot stovetop. What's the kid going to want to do? It's going to want to touch that hot stovetop. So, um, There is really a lot to be said about practicing to give yourself that unconditional permission to eat anything and everything, removing all rules. That doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, you're going to be eating McDonald's and KFC and not care about your health and nutrition at all. But um, for a lot of people who are coming from restriction, they need to kind of work through that element to get to a place where they then can make intuitive choices so once you know that you can have whatever you want whenever you want however much you want then you can actually tap into your body and say okay i know i can have ice cream today tomorrow whenever so do i really want it right now and then you can say no thank you i actually genuinely don't want it right now
1: Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well-equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Balancers, and welcome back to episode 56 of The Balance Theory podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, an extremely warm welcome to The Balancer community, and I'm so excited to have you here. Now, all my Sydney ciders, today marks what they're calling the Freedom Day, so we made it. Congratulations. But I did just want to jump in and say, be very, very mindful coming out and transitioning out of this lockdown period. Obviously, we've gone through quite a few months of being in lockdown. And what that did was force us to adopt a new routine, take a different pace in life all of which is obviously going to vary a lot to your day-to-day normal life. And so coming out of this period, just be very gentle with yourself. Be mindful when you're stacking and jam-packing your day back in. It might take you just a little while to adjust to the new norm or the old norm. And so I just wanted to remind you to keep in touch with that balance. Have a think about if there's any practices you've adopted over this lockdown period, like your walks or your picnics, things that you'd really like to keep up coming out of this restricted time just so you don't lose touch with the things that really make you feel balanced. I know we can sit here and go on about all the negative things we hated about lockdown but in truth there's probably a few things that you've picked up that you wouldn't have done otherwise. So just keep that in mind, be gentle with yourself in the transition and enjoy obviously. Now, on the topic of today's guest, I am joined by Stephanie Jung, who is a holistic online health coach and yoga teacher, and she has a really strong focus on helping women heal their relationship with food and their bodies. This is really underpinned by an experience that Steph went through herself and and something she was very vulnerable and raw with me about on today's show, which I'm super grateful for. So she really takes us back to her own challenges with extreme dieting and binge eating, what helped her overcome it, and most importantly, the biggest lessons that she's learned, which she's now using to help women worldwide. So aside from getting to know her on a personal level, we chat a little bit about what a holistic health coach actually does. So I kind of always saw it as this broad umbrella term. So it was very nice to get a little bit of detail about the work that they actually do. As I mentioned, we talk about a destructive relationship with food and how that creates almost like a double life and then the kind of mindset she had to adopt to actually reach out for help. That journey in and of itself is one from self-hate to self-love. And we also talk about the power in finding the right professional to help you along the way. She also introduces this concept which I sort of touched on in previous episodes but one I absolutely love and it's that you don't fail a diet, it's the diet that fails you. So a really nice concept to underpin our idea of balance. She also shares some red flags of when we may not have food freedom which is something I found super interesting and made me really think about my own relationship with food. We dive into the fine line between rules and intuition and how sometimes those rules can actually impact our ability to eat intuitively. She shares the forbidden fruit effect and a little bit of a study, which is awesome and has something really curious to tell us about restrictive eating. Of course, we touch on what balance with diet means, how to use it as a form of self-care, is emotional eating ever healthy and Making a conscious decision to go unconscious with food, which is awesome and a great way to sum up the essence of what a lot of Steph does and talks about is. I know you guys are going to absolutely love today's episode. If you do want to take it a little bit further and potentially work with Steph, you can also find an online course called Discover Food Freedom, which is a nine week self-guided program to help women ditch toxic diet culture, overcome binge eating, making peace with food in your bodies, etc., I've linked it in the show notes below. And for all our gorgeous balances, Steph has kindly offered a discount when you use the code balance theory, one word, no space at the checkout. So if you are interested in everything we speak about today, definitely go and check that out. Or you can hit up Steph on Instagram or on her website, which are both linked below as well. Just before we dive in, I just wanted to thank everybody who's taken the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It lights up my day every single time I get a new message pop up or one of you pop up in my DMs as well. So please don't be shy. If you do have a couple minutes to spare and you love what we're doing here at The Balance Theory, I would really appreciate if you left your thoughts, shared some love with the world on what we're doing and help us grow our ongoing community. So thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with me. Let's dive straight in. Today I am joined by the lovely Steph Jung. Welcome to The Balance Theory podcast. It's so nice to have you. Likewise, really excited to be here today. Yes, and so you're from Melbourne. So talk to me a little bit about what it's been like. I mean, I can't imagine being in my what is it, eighth lockdown you guys are up to now?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's number seven. It honestly we have all, all met one. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: totally. Um, to be honest, the first couple ones I genuinely didn't mind all too much. I've actually realized I get some of my best work done in lockdown. Like I was really productive. I was in a good routine. Um, And I'm also a bit of an introvert actually. So I really didn't mind it that much. This last one though has really gotten to me. I had a couple of weeks where I was just so done with it, completely over it Um, and kind of let myself go emotionally as well. I wasn't doing all those things that I usually do that I know make me feel good. And so then I felt even worse and it kind of spiraled And uh, yeah, so that was a bit of a rougher one (laughs) compared to the previous lockdowns. But I feel like I've now, uh, you know, recommitted to the things that I know do me well and have pulled myself out of that one and now just uh, up and forward.
1: Absolutely. Well, I don't think your um, experience is unique there. I can definitely say that like during the lockdown that we're going through now in Sydney, like I definitely found myself letting go of my routine. But I think that's just a part of adapting to it. So like, you know, for anyone listening, I feel like, those moments do come and go in life. And if you need to recalibrate or whatever, especially in moments like this, which are so strange in the course of our lives, you know, you kind of got to go with the flow, but sending you guys all big love down there. I've actually had all my last three guests from Melbourne. So yeah, I can only imagine how it's been on your end, but talk to me a little bit about the work you're doing now. Maybe forget for our listeners that haven't seen you before, maybe they're not engaged with you on socials. Talk to me a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah, I would love to. So I'm a holistic health coach and yoga teacher, and I focus on helping women heal their relationship with food and their bodies. So it's very much about unlearning toxic diet culture, overcoming things like binge eating, emotional eating, the restriction side of things, and ultimately really making peace with food and your body so that you don't have to 24 seven constantly obsess about it that's for me that's food freedom not having to worry about it think about it it's just you eat and then you move on with your life and it's not that big of a deal so that's um yeah what i focus
1: on beautiful and so i have a couple of questions the first one is what does a holistic health coach do so what what can people expect i guess if they were to work with you or the work you do
0: yeah, good question. Um, so it does really vary depending on what people niche into and focus on. Um, so, you know, you might have some health coaches who specialize in gut health or who might specialize in uh, skin health or hormonal health. The path that I've chosen is um, emotional eating, intuitive eating, helping people overcome disordered eating. Um, and really the reason why I decided to get into that line of work is because I struggled with this for such a long time. Um, and I actually, at the time when I was struggling, I worked with a health coach who herself had gone through kind of a similar journey to me and who had struggled with food and her body for many years. And, um, you know, I had tried working with a nutritionist, with a dietitian, with a psychologist, with a therapist. I even did group counseling, and none of it really resonated with me. And then I worked with a health coach who had gone through the same thing that I had gone through. And I just, it was so powerful working with someone who had walked in your shoes and was able to really hold that space, Mm -hmm. that safe space where there was no judgment. And I could truly just let it all out and not have any fear of being judged. And that was so, so powerful for me that that's why I decided I want to, Go into this and give back to other people who are now struggling with these things that I struggled with 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. And I always love hearing people's stories when their line of work has come from something that they've gone through. And I think you come from such an authentic place because you can really relate with where your, say, clients are coming from. Um, so I absolutely love that. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your, I guess, your existing or past destructive relationship with food. And the reason um, I'm particularly interested and in, Now, I want to preface this. I I don't think I had um, an extremely destructive relationship with food, but I did have a period of quite heavily restricted eating. And what I found was I was so fixated on uh, numbers and the scale, you know, calories in, body fat percentage, those types of things. I was just getting used to these different sort of metrics in the fitness space, right? But I remember I was taking quite a few um, of those body fat percentage tests. And I mean, sorry for anyone who's heard this story thousands of times, um, but I think it's quite relevant here. And, and a nice little jump in. And basically, the, I was doing my best at this particular last little period I was going through, I felt like I looked my best. I had the most energy and I was so sure that this particular result was going to be the best one I ever had. I was like, yep, that's it. This is going to be the lowest body fat percentage I've ever had. And I jumped on the thing, it printed and it went back up. It was like 5% higher or 4% higher than what I had ever gotten. And it was in that moment, I realized that The numbers can't tell you your energy, how you're feeling, your emotional relationship, your capacity to hold space for yourself and other people, all these things that I think we just bypass and just don't focus on when it comes to food. So I can definitely understand, I mean, having been through that and you've got to go through it to sort of develop that mentality, right? Like who knows what line of work you may have been in had you not had your own personal experience. But I just wanted to throw that in because I also understand what it's sort of like to have a bit of a challenging relationship with food come out the other side and then do things differently. So I would love for you to also share, I guess, your experience.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and thank you for sharing that because I think one thing that people get wrong is that they think their relationship with food and their body is not kind of quotation marks bad enough to warrant getting help. Um, right. And my approach to that really is if you're, relationship with food in your body is affecting your your life in any shape or form be it it affects your relationships your sex life your productivity at work um, your sense of self-worth whatever it is then you deserve to work on that don't wait until it gets so bad that it really becomes disordered if it's affecting you in any shape or form go work on that now and like you don't have you can probably get improve it by yourself but you also don't have to like there's so much power in working with someone who's been there done that um so yeah i think that's really important to put out there
1: no i absolutely love that and it's really that notion of you don't have to be like on either end of the spectrum you have to be so balanced with your food or so unbalanced with your food you know you can sit somewhere in the middle and it's about i love always saying it's about being uh, proactive when it comes to these things so if you know you're i don't know gonna fall pregnant or go through a big um Physical change, or whatever the case may be, you can be proactive in sort of getting that help. But, but back over to you. Sorry, with your um, with your experience. Yeah, um,
0: I'd love to share. So, I actually grew up in a household where we were um, really active. There was a focus on nutrition, but in a really healthy, sustainable, organic way. Um, I just grew up really um, taking care of myself and my body through food and exercise. Um, And so I had a really great foundation, actually, to not develop an eating disorder. I feel like my parents did everything right. Um, And I also had really great role models in terms of body image. But what happened is that when I was, I think, 16, yeah, 16, we moved um, from, a very long story, but I moved from Paris to Dubai. I'm a bit of a third culture kid and I've moved around a lot and that was a really really big culture shock and dubai i found was a quite toxic place to be in at such a young and vulnerable age and it was all about looks and money and on top of that you know a 16 year old teenager you're going through stuff there's so many changes so that already was a combo that wasn't very great and then i went on roaccutane or i think you call it accutane as well for your skin And I don't know what you know about this medication, but I had every possible side effect. Mm -hmm. And during that time I was taking the medication, I just really wasn't feeling myself. I was constantly tired. So lethargic, I had joint pain. Um, And one of the side effects is actually depression of that medication. And although I wasn't depressed, it definitely, I, I wasn't at my best. And during that time for the first time in my life, I really put on weight in a relatively short amount of time and suddenly felt like what's happening to my body. I'm changing. I feel like I can't control it. I don't recognize myself looking into the mirror. I mean, granted, this was just a couple of kilos, you know, it wasn't anything big, but to me at the time, it felt like I wasn't in control of my body anymore. Hmm. And that was the first time that I then said, okay, I want to lose this weight. I want to diet." Before that, I had never even thought really about my body or my physical appearance. Uh, The word dieting wasn't even part of my vocabulary, really had not ever put any thought into it. And so I started with this really seemingly innocent diet. I just started paying attention to what I eat. And then I started restricting a little bit more. And then I started cutting out breakfast and then I started cutting out lunch. And then I would, you know, it just spiraled
1: out of control. And was this all while you were still taking the medication?
0: Uh, This was actually when I had gotten off the medication. So yeah, during the medication, I was putting on the weight. And then the second I got off the medication, I was like, okay, let's make an action plan now to lose this weight. Yeah. And yeah, it honestly, just from there spiraled out of control. And I started restricting more. um, I started exercising more. And um, so for the first couple, for the first year or so, it was very restrictive. I lost my period for about seven or eight months there. And then something happened where my body, my mind just couldn't take it anymore. And I a switch flipped and I got into binge eating. Um, I don't really even have a recollection of this anymore how this happened, when this happened. It must have been very gradually that my body just said, Enough is enough. We can't deal with this restriction anymore. And yeah, so from there it went to binge eating, to bulimia. And Ultimately, the thing that I struggled with for the longest amount of time was binge eating. That really stuck with me for many, many years. And, you know, at at one point in time, I was binging sometimes every single day. Um, I was obsessively stepping on the scale. I was still obsessively exercising. Um, I was really I was living a double life because on the outside, no one could tell what was going on. Like I was at a healthy weight. Um, I wasn't talking to anyone about this. So it was all happening in secrecy. The binging was all happening in secrecy. Um, and ultimately, that's actually how how I kind of hit my rock bottom when I realized, wow, I'm, I'm living a full-on double life. Like I'm lying to my family. I'm lying to my friends. I'm lying to my partner. Um, I had actually just moved in with him at that point, And that's where it really hit me that I was hiding so much from him such a big part of myself from him and that's when i knew okay i need to do something i need to i need to get help and i need to get better
1: yeah wow and so when you're as you describe it at your rock bottom what where do you even sort of begin to look for help what prompted you to you know reach out to your health coach or, or work with professionals was it was it um so what were you doing for work at the time out of curiosity Mm, yeah this is an
0: interesting one so at the time I was actually doing an internship in London in hospitality management um so I was working in a fine dining restaurant and working in a fine dining restaurant as a binge eater is literally like putting an alcoholic into a bottle shop I was surrounded by food 24 7 and I felt like I had no control and I would you know if people didn't touch their dessert, I would eat that leftover dessert, like the praline and all that stuff. Like it was, it was crazy. It was the worst place for me to be at that point in time. Um, So I was really, really struggling with that.
1: Yeah. Wow. I can, I can only imagine. And and the reason I'm interested in, in sort of asking the question is I wonder what it takes, like from a mindset point of view to reach out for help. Once you're in that point, do you think it was the fact that you felt you were just hiding so much from your partner and you wanted to just be more open with him there or was it did you you know maybe make some efforts to educate yourself I'm very curious to know how you turn that around for yourself
0: yeah yeah that's a great question um I do think the the catalyst was realizing that I was living that double life and that I was hiding all these things from my partner um and before then I had you know, already tried to do things here and there, but still with the completely wrong mindset. Um, I remember actually one of my journal entries said, okay, I need to lose the weight first, and then I can fix my relationship with food. You know, that was my approach at the time. I knew that I needed to, that something there wasn't right, and I needed to work on my relationship with food, but I was still so desperate to lose weight, um, and had such a distorted image of myself that I thought, I can't do that until I lose weight mm. um but i just you know it, w- I, it was just like i kept banging my head against the the wall and kept doing the same things over and over again and they didn't get me anywhere every monday i said i'm i'm, I'm not gonna binge again and then monday afternoon would come around and i'd have a binge and you know i even uh, this came up the other day where i thought back to it i even would keep wrappers from my most recent binge and keep them almost as like a memorabilia and say, okay, this is the wrapper from the last binge I'm ever going to have. And then that lasted for 24 hours and I was back to the same thing. Um, so yeah, I just got to a point where I realized I can't do this by myself. I'm living a double life and I do not want to keep going like this. Um, and my first step was actually talking to my partner, opening up to him. And then I called my parents, which at the time, you know, we weren't in the same country. So it was a conversation via Skype, I think, at the time. And I just remember we jumped on the call. And before I even could say anything, I just burst out crying. And I couldn't even get the words out to to make myself vulnerable and talk about how bad it's been. Um, But then the very first thing that I did, which is actually yeah, now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, interesting. I went and bought a journal. And I just started writing about how I was feeling and what was going on and kind of accepting myself, hey, this is something that's not quite right here. And I want to work on this. And for me, um, binging was very much pushing down my emotions, like making sure they don't come out. I think so in, in a weird way, journaling was my way of purging my emotions, getting them out on paper. So that actually was so, so powerful, and was one of the things that helped me the most in my journey. And then yes, then I started to look for a psychologist. Um, and at the same time, I did also look for a health coach that I could work with online, because I knew I wasn't going to be in London for a long time. So I wanted someone that I could work with remotely. And look, the psychologist and the therapist, they just Maybe I didn't look long enough to find the right person, but it just didn't resonate with me. It felt too clinical, too cold, like they couldn't understand me. They didn't have that personal experience of having gone through it. So I felt judged and misunderstood. And then, yeah, the second I found that person who had walked in my shoes, I was like, yes, I can open up to you. I can let it all out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's such a power in not giving up, finding that person. You know, there's a lot of incredible professionals out there, and and they may not all be relevant for you for whatever you're going through. But there is a power in continuing to look until you find that right person. I firstly want to thank you for being so vulnerable. I can only imagine that's such a tough period in your life. Um, so thank you so much for opening up and sharing that with us today. Um, I love that you said it was sort of random that journaling came to you because I've sort of had a similar experience. You know, when you hear about people's daily habits and things they do journaling is a big one that comes up. And I felt like for me personally, it was never one I really got into, but I did buy a journal and I don't journal every day, but I journal when I exactly the same thing. I feel like I need to just have an outlet. So it's quite amazing that that sort of came to you in that moment. I did want to ask you though, for now, say you had a client come to you that was exactly in your shoes right? Because we spoke a little bit about um, how you, you journaled, you found a professional, um, you worked on that acceptance piece and you you talked about reframing your mindset, right? So it's about changing your relationship with your food rather than focusing on the weight. I'm sort of curious, do you have um, some steps or just some things that you would do with that client had you come to yourself now? Mm,
0: yeah, that's a good one. Um, I generally speaking, step one is getting people to understand that your binge eating problem is not a willpower problem it's not a matter of more control and more discipline it's actually quite the opposite and that is a really really difficult one for people to swallow at the beginning because they think well it's just because I'm not you know I'm not doing good enough of a job of sticking to what i set out to do in this diet and it's really about understanding that um, when you when you fail your diet it's actually not you failing your diet it's your diet failing you it doesn't work and getting them to have that mindset shift that actually maybe it's not about control maybe it's not about restriction maybe it's about um understanding why restriction doesn't work And not just the physical restriction, but also mental restriction. And I'm sure we might go into this in a second, Um, but that's a very big one. And then one thing I also always tell my clients from the beginning is don't set yourself up for failure by telling yourself you're never going to binge again, because realistically, chances are that is going to happen again. What I actually want my clients to focus on is rather than counting how often you've been binging and how many bad quote unquote bad days you've had with food can you pay attention to the severity of the binges how the dynamic of that changes Um, can you become more conscious of when it's happening can you see it happening before it happens and then build that space between urge and action to give yourself the opportunity to um, act differently than you normally would and also can we work on how you show up for yourself after you've had a binge? Do you sit there hitting yourself over the head with a frying pan, getting really frustrated with yourself and bullying yourself into, okay, tomorrow I have to restrict even more, tomorrow I need to make up with it by going for a long run. Can you actually show up with a bit more compassion and self-care? And ultimately the big one for me is what's the nugget of wisdom there in the binge? What can you learn? Why did that happen? What were you feeling? What were you maybe unwilling to feel? um my big thing is we we either win or we learn but we never fail so binge isn't a failure but can you learn something out of it
1: yeah that's beautiful i've said that so many times on the podcast so that's a big green tick of approval for me um i love what you just said about how it's not that you failed the diet it's the diets failed you and i kind of have a similar philosophy it's that it's that your life shouldn't fit into a diet your diet should fit into your lifestyle and i think if we draw this out of the you know say extreme of uh, a binge eater or or any other really extreme sort of um condition shall we say i think if you're just looking at someone like we were talking about before who may not have the extreme red flags i think there's Mm -hmm. still probably a couple telltale signs when you're trying too hard to box your life around a diet So I know you spoke a little bit already about what food freedom is, but I guess I wanted to ask you, what are some red flags when it comes to people who don't experience food freedom, freedom, whether that is on the extreme side or something a little bit more subtle, but is still a little bit concerning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gosh, there's so much to go into there, but I'll give you a couple. Give me your top ones. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think good one to start with is, do you have rules around food, like no carbs after a certain amount of time in the evening, um, I can only have breakfast if I've worked out, um, all those little rules that you make for yourself, if they're not serving you, and they're actually more often than not backfiring, that to me shows, okay, maybe there's something to look into there. Um Another one is how connected or disconnected are you with your hunger and fullness? A, are you able to hear your hunger? Are you able to hear your fullness? But B, are you able to honor that and respect your body? Can you respect when you're full and stop? Or there may be certain elements at play that stop you from stopping and you actually eat uh, to a point where you're overly full. So maybe that's because You've got a diet mentality and you you're let's say you're having this amazing pizza you're a couple slices in and you know you're full but you don't want to be like you know you're full but you want to keep going then you can look into okay why is that happening maybe it's happening because a pizza for you is a kind of um, bad food. You label it as a bad food. And you think this is my one-time opportunity to eat this because as of Monday, it's, it's off-limit food. I'm not allowed to eat it anymore. Then of course it makes complete sense that in that moment you would eat every last slice because you know that in a couple of days time, you're not going to be allowed to eat it. So that's, for example, a diet mentality or a rule that you have that actually ends up backfiring in the
1: long run. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I love that. And particularly the point about listening to your hunger. And I, mm-hmm. the reason I love it is I think there's so much confusion. And I myself have tried and tested a lot of things from intermittent fasting to keto to, you know, fasting windows to, you know, you name it. I've, I've tried a lot of different things. And what I've noticed in each of those things is it always conflicts with a hunger window I've got, whether it be. I'm on my period and I'm just extra hungry that week, you know, I actually find sometimes I have weeks where I'm like not as hungry and then weeks where I'm like extra hungry. So I'm like balances out in the long run. But I I think when you're looking at those sort of fad diets, if I can call them that or or any sort of um, trending food restriction diet type thing, I think you really have to make sure you're still intuitively listening to your body right? Because maybe that's a sign from your body that it's not right for you. If you're, you know, and eating between 12 and 6 PM and you're starving at 8 AM in the morning, then maybe it's, you know, time to look at that. So, so I do quite like that point. And I did want to ask you something. So you said, if you have rules that I guess backfire, then that's probably a red flag, how can we tell, the difference between having those rules and our intuition. Because I, for example, I try Monday to Friday to eat predominantly clean or healthy, make make healthier choices, predominantly because I just function way better when I'm eating wholesome foods. You know, if I'm having really, really heavy carbs or saturated fats, stuff like that, I really feel myself slowing down, but I let myself do that on the weekend. But just as you were speaking, then I was thinking, yeah, if I have a pizza on the weekend, i probably slip into that, just have an extra slice because on Monday it's off limits, right? But I, mm. I've never really potentially seen that as, as a red flag. I see that more as like intuitively I'm just controlling myself during the week and on the weekends. So I just wanted to ask if you had any thoughts on, I guess, is there a really fine line between rules and intuition? Um, and, and have you got any tips for maybe – setting up something so that people can feel more in control without being too restrictive.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to turn this one around onto you and ask you a question. Um, What would happen if you had a slice of pizza on a Wednesday or in the middle of the week? Do you think that that would then balance things out and you maybe wouldn't have that extra slice on the weekend when you know you're full? or would that then spiral into oh no i had pizza on a weekday even though i'm not supposed to and then you would feel guilty for that
1: so i think a few years ago had you asked me this question i would have said b i would have felt very guilty to a point where i actually felt sick but now i more view it in the lens of i won't i'm not going to go out of my way and order pizza during the week just because i try if i'm cooking or you know if I if I have control over what I'm making for dinner, I prefer to make something healthier. But if I'm having a meal with my family and they order pizza, I'm going to enjoy it. You know, food's there to be enjoyed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, okay, so the way that I kind of think about this is it's really difficult to tap into your intuition if you've got rules in place. So I'll give you an example for this. Um, have you ever heard of the Dartmouth milkshake study?
1: It's ringing a bell, but I'm not even going to pretend I know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) I'll I'll walk you through it. So basically, um, this study, they pretended like they were asking people to taste test um, different flavors of ice cream. What they were actually trying to see is how having food rules affects your ability to to kind of eat intuitively. So what they did is they had um, a bunch of women who, um, they split into two groups. The one group had um, straight away got the three ice cream flavors that they got to taste test. The other group got what they called a preload, which was a um, like a milkshake. And then they got the three ice cream flavors to eat. And also important to note here is that all these women were eating the ice cream in privacy. They had their own room and they had as much ice cream at their disposal as as they wanted. What happened is that the people that that didn't get the preload and they just had the ice cream straight away, um, they all tended to eat in a very balanced way. They didn't go completely overboard. They just taste tested their way through it. And that was that. And that was the case both for people who identified as what we call restrained eaters, which is essentially like dieters. Now, what happened with the people that got the preload? So they had first the milkshake and then the ice creams. Those guys, you think, because they already had the milkshake that they might end up eating less of the ice cream, right? Because that's what you'd expect. They're probably already full. But actually, the people who were restrained eaters, the people who are dieters, when they had the preload, they ended up eating pro- disproportionately a higher amount of ice cream afterwards. Wow. They, because the what the heck effect kicked in where they thought, well, I already blew my diet. I might as well keep going. What's the point? The day is already ruined. Yeah. Right. Which is, I think, a perfect example of how having kind of rules and restricting yourself tends to oftentimes backfire in the complete opposite manner of what you might expect to happen so that's why i'm saying like um, it's really difficult to tap into your intuition when you've got all those rules Um, because those people that didn't have those rules they you know ate the milkshake and then they tapped into their hunger and realized hey you know what i'm actually not that hungry anymore i'm already pretty full
1: so i'm not going to have as much ice cream anymore so interesting. I love that. So do you think then the key is to have a bit of flexibility, even if you have rules, even if you want to, I guess, have a little bit of, um, let's just say like a framework for the way you eat food and the way you like to prepare and whatever, just for your own personal goals and efficiency. Do you think the key then is flexibility? 100%.
0: I would actually take it a step further. So a big part of what I do is really giving yourself complete utter unconditional permission to eat anything and everything and to someone who's who who has rules and who is restricting or who is binging that might sound like out of this world impossible like what you want me to give myself permission to eat anything and everything i'm just gonna like not stop eating until i get so fat and you know like until the world ends kind of thing Hmm. um but the thing is that most of the time um, we want something not because we want it, but we want it because we are denying ourselves of it. It's 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 that forbidden fruit effect. Right. The second yeah. you tell yourself, I can't have this thing. All you want to do is eat that thing. It's like the same thing when you tell a child, don't touch that ho- hot hot stovetop. What's the kid going to want to do? It's going to want to touch that hot stovetop. Mm-hmm. So. um. There is really a lot to be said about practicing to give yourself that unconditional permission to eat anything and everything, removing all rules. That doesn't mean that for the rest of your life, you're going to be eating McDonald's and KFC and not care about your health and nutrition at all. But um, for a lot of people who are coming from restriction, they need to kind of work through that element to get to a place where they then can make intuitive choices so once you know that you can have whatever you want whenever you want however much you want then you can actually tap into your body and say okay i know i can have ice cream today tomorrow whenever so do i really want it right now and then you can say no thank you i actually genuinely don't want it right now
1: yeah i love that that's an awesome tip and really really good point so if i'm to ask you now and maybe you can just answer this in one or two questions what would you consider to be balance with your diet?
0: Mm, yeah, this is a really interesting one. And I actually had someone the other day ask me, when you're at your best, how do you eat? And I, the, the answer that I kind of came up with there, initially I was going to list, you know, what my day on a plate looks like. That was kind of like gut response. But actually I realized to me, Um, when I'm at my best, the way I'm eating is it's less about what I'm eating, but more about how I'm eating and the way that I'm eating. So coming from a place of self-care and and really wanting to nourish myself, being tuned into how my body feels, but also allowing for that element of pleasure and satisfaction and um, kind of marinating that into a really nice blend where I don't eat just for fuel, but I also eat for pleasure. I also eat for satisfaction. I also eat for emotional support, having all of those things come together. And you know, I think the really interesting thing there, if you were to look at how I eat from the outside and you'd be like, wow, she eats so healthy. And you would think she probably has some kind of rules in place or some kind of non-negotiables, but genuinely I have no rules in theory. I would eat anything and everything. But because of that, I actually can then tune in and say, you know what? This thing doesn't sit well with me. So I'm not gonna have it. That yeah. to me is, is balance. That 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 balance of self-care, intuition, pleasure, satisfaction, all of it combined.
1: I don't I don't know if that's a bit wishy-washy, but that's no. pretty much it. Not at all. I absolutely love that response. And I I really love that you frame that in a lens of self care, because I don't think often when we think of self care, we think maybe meditation, education or downtime, we don't often think of our diet as a form of self care. But I love that mm-hmm. you've really shown um, a dual side there to our relationship with food, not only that it is a fuel, which I think a lot of us just focus on, but also it can be a pleasurable thing. And I think another layer to that as well is it is really like a social and cultural thing as well, you know, especially coming from a European family, food is the heart of a lot of what we do and why we gather. And so to have that and and be able to embrace that is a beautiful, beautiful thing and just another facet to our relationship with food. But I Absolutely love your response, and there was nothing, nothing further I'd add to that. So thank you again. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about now whether emotional eating, right? And and I'm happy for you to define what emotional eating means. Is ever healthy? I'm more curious from the point of view of say as a woman coming around that time of the month. Intuitively, I feel like I need more calories, right? And so, <laughs> is that emotional eating? Is that intuitive eating? What are your thoughts? Is that is that sort of ever a healthy thing to just eat when you feel like it emotionally? Yeah,
0: mm. love this question. Okay, so my very first thing is emotional eating is not a sin and there's a time and place for that. And every normal eater, whatever, you know, how we define that, I think there's an element of emotional eating there that's perfectly fine and okay. The way that I think about this is um, I love doing this exercise with clients where I get them to, create their own self-care toolkit. Um, so they kind of have a paper, a PDF that I provide them with and they, it's like in the form of a toolkit and I get them to put all the tools in there that they have at their disposal to self-care. And I always make a point to say, I want you to add food in there because there is a place and a time to say, hey, you know what? I've had a long day. I was stressed, I'm really emotional and I just wanna sit here in peace and eat my ice cream. And that's it. And, the, there's a place for that. So I, I tell people to actually put it in there. The question is kind of twofold. One is what percentage of your self-care toolkit is food? And you know if it's 60, 70, 80%, then yes, maybe we need to look at that. But the other question is also, um, how do you talk to yourself after you've emotionally eaten? there's a big difference between emotionally eating and then saying, okay, done. I move on with my life. I don't think about it or sitting there, self-loathing, beating yourself up and making yourself feel incredibly guilty for it. Yeah. Um, and the kind of my approach to it is I, you know, sometimes emotionally eat and that's fine um, because a, I don't attach that morality to it. And secondly, it's a conscious decision. Yes. So I kind of sit there and go you know what i'm gonna make the conscious decision to go unconscious with this food right now i just really like need it and that's okay um the difference is a couple of years ago it would have then spiraled into a binge or i would have tried to make up for it the next day versus now i do it and then i just you know move on with my life done deal
1: that's awesome so anyone listening what foods can you add to your emotional self-care toolkit And, and being, I guess, aware of what else goes into that basket, you know, like, do you have other practices for your mental health or your physical health that uh, are not just food? Um, I think that's a really, really great tip. And then as well, the awareness piece of after you eat, how do you feel? And I love that particularly because I've been on, on both sides, both the negative and the positive. You know, when I was being so restrictive, like I said to you, if I would eat that pizza, I would feel sick straight away. Even the thought of it would make me sick. And I used to think I was intolerant to pizza. And then when I literally, because my, body body was like physically reacting and I noticed that and I just thought I was intolerant, you know, I sort of put it in that basket. But as soon as my mindset, my mentality, my relationship with food changed, I love pizza now. And, you know, I probably don't stop a slice too early, but it's, you know, I, like you said, it's a, a conscious decision to go unconscious with it. So I really love that. And I think it's a nice moment for people to stop and reflect on just that awareness piece, you know, like it's not a moment to say, i'm failing because you know i always feel guilty when i eat food i think once you have that awareness that's when you can start to change practice
0: yeah exactly and um to the point where you said about when you're getting your period or when you've got your period and obviously you're you're burning probably more calories at that point in time so you're more hungry um I think a lot of people the reason why they eat the way they do when they're on their period is less so because they have that increased um, metabolic rate but it's more because they think well I'm on my period so I'm allowed to eat whatever I want and then they kind of like pig out right and it's not in a really um, nourishing self-care way it's just we throw up our hands and say now we can do whatever we want Um, and I think there's a big difference between that kind of question that I always come back to when I'm making food decisions is, is this choice coming from a place of self-care and self-love? Or is this decision coming from a place of restriction or deprivation? Or is there some kind of other reason there other than nourishment? And nourishment can mean having that kale salad, but nourishment can also mean having that burger or the pizza. It's yeah. it's more about the mindset behind it than what you're actually eating
1: yeah absolutely and that's such a simple but effective thing you can do just to stop before you do something and just consciously think is what places is coming from a place of self-care and love or self-loathing and hate Um, and it's so true like really often sometimes or when I was sort of transitioning out of that mindset I used to think or I came to the realization of Honestly, like me having this ice cream right now is gonna do so much more for my mental health than damage it is gonna to do to my physical gains or you know the the progress I've done in the gym or whatever. Sometimes like the power on your emotions, because you know, like, and I'm sure everyone listening as well knows that when your emotions out of whack, for me personally, like my digestive system is the first thing to go. If I'm stressed, that's the first thing I see it straight away. And so sometimes, you know, it 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 comes you've got to kind of go backwards to do your, to look after your physical body. Sometimes it really just rests in the mind first. So absolutely agree with everything you've said there. And I did want to ask you a little bit about the effect of social media on diet culture. And I guess, what are your thoughts on the biggest dangers and how people can protect themselves? Because granted, there are so many incredible resources on social media. There are a lot of you know, really easy access to a lot of incredible recipes and inspiration and those sorts of things. But I also want to talk about, I guess, let's call it the dark side.
0: Yeah. 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 Gosh. Um, I do have a love hate relationship with social media as well. And there's so much good that comes from it, but yes, absolutely agree. There's a lot of um, ways that we can misuse it in a really destructive, damaging way. And I do unfortunately see this with um, with my clients all the time that um, a the the, the comparison on, on physical appearance but also very much oh this person eats this way so I should eat that way and then I'm going to look like that person right and there's just so much wrong with that um, because bioindividuality, individuality right we're all we're all different we all have individual needs our bodies Um, thrive off different ways. And even if we all ate exactly the same and we all exercise the same, we still wouldn't all have the same physical body. Um, So there's no point in following what someone else is doing just because it's working for them. And I think the risk there is that as with diets in general, is that we kind of outsource what we eat to to external authorities um, to, to the detriment of actually paying attention to our hunger to our fullness and how food feels when we eat it um I was actually just listening to the podcast episode that you did with um uh, was it uh, was it Rachel Finch
1: yes she spoke about body yeah. individuality as well exactly and
0: I she said something really interesting she said um you know every time you eat it's an experiment and yes, I love that. That's kind of my personal philosophy as well that um, eat in many different ways, trial and error, see what works for you. And then you can kind of like, yeah, pick and choose certain mm-hmm. aspects from different diet philosophies, but then blend them all together based mm-hmm. off how it sits with you when you eat that way. Um and unfortunately, social media does get in in the um in the way of that sometimes. So especially with people that I just start working with, I always tell them like, just do an Instagram declutter, unfollow anyone that triggers you, that makes you feel like you should eat that way. That makes you feel like you should look that way. That makes you feel like you should exercise that particular way. Um, In the beginning, it's very much about like putting on your blinders and just blocking out all those other things that ultimately are probably oftentimes more harmful than they're helpful.
1: Yeah, you just need to get that clarity, right? Um, Yeah. And I I love the, I also love that comment about the experiment and more to your point, because as we go through life and as we age and as different stresses come up, different priorities, what you had 10 years ago or five years ago may impact you completely differently. Your enzymes change, your, you know, biomechanics, you know, are altered. And so I think constantly acknowledging that you, your eating process, I suppose, is an experiment or a way for you to check in with your body, how you're feeling, how you're digesting, those sorts of things, I think is really powerful because it honors the fact that you change over time. And so it's not like you work out what your quote, perfect diet is or perfect routine. But I think if you're open and constantly willing to experiment, then you can start to notice, okay, when I'm stressed, these are the foods that impact me. Or well, now that I'm, you know, over 30, I can no longer stomach this or whatever it is. I'm pulling examples off the top of my head. Um, but I also love the concept of, I feel like social media can be quite, can, can force us to be quite outward in our thinking and to think that all the answers are out there around us. And, and we just have to kind of troll through all this, the information out there, just find what's been working for other people and then just test it ourselves. Whereas I think the power really comes when we go inward. And that's not to say you can't use social media for the incredible tool it is, but it's the, you know, the adage of take it with a grain of salt. And there's no, there's absolutely no reason you can try what somebody else is doing, but it's about coming inward, you know, and, and really recognizing, does this work for me? Does this make me feel good? Does this fuel me? Does this allow the flexibility that's going to give me that balance with my my food and diet? So Absolutely agree. And I, I do, I do think it's a big question of, of bringing it back inward towards ourselves. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> so before I let you go, I know we're running short on time. Um, I, I wanted to ask you something simple. Uh, I don't think it would or should have a simple answer, but here it is. What is the perfect diet? Mm. Yeah.
0: Such a seemingly simple question but not at all
1: i'm sure Um, people are wishing that the answer was simple though
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean i have spent so many years of my life searching desperately for that right diet the one way of eating that would tickle the boxes you know that's like the holy grail um and yeah truth is it doesn't exist in part because of um nutrition and ambiguity just in the research and for every diet where there's research saying this works there's going to be 10 research studies that show why that diet doesn't work and is actually damaging for you um and like there just is no right or wrong and you searching for that perfect diet like you're just going to drive yourself insane yeah. um so it really really does come down to what you just said going inwards connecting with the inner wisdom of your body every time asking yourself how does that sit with me what I just ate does this give me energy does that make me bloated how is my concentration how is my sleep and that's just trial and error and that's going to take time and I think you know my nutrition journey has been 10 years in the making to get to a place where I have such um, detailed information available to me as to what works well for my body Super simple example, uh, is coffee bad, yes or no? You can find a million of studies that say yes, a million of studies that say no. What I know for myself is that one coffee a day, generally speaking, is works perfectly well for me, except when I'm really stressed and except when I'm on my period, then I probably reduce it to maybe even just like a half a, half a cup of coffee or not at all. Um, and that I've just learned through trial and error for Mm. myself over the years um so yeah there is no perfect diet
1: (laughs) (laughs) and we we love hearing that on the balance theory because there is no perfect balance either it's the same sort of thing it's you know it's it's a question of trial and error and and once you get it it's probably going to change like you said like i'm exactly the same when i'm stressed i cannot have a coffee because it it makes me feel quite anxious and i acknowledge that i see that and i respect my body and say okay i'm not going to have caffeine today and and topple that over that limit but yeah it, it is it's a shifting thing and so it's not, i don't think it's one we should be looking to you know set in stone and say this is it this is the way this is perfect i think it's you know everything we've spoken about today bringing in that flexibility going inward constantly assessing how we're thinking and feeling how do you feel after you eat food you know all those sorts of things. Do you have food freedom or do you, uh, did you tick some of those red flags, whether it's extreme or just a little bit more subtle? Um, I think all those things have been amazing, amazing tips so that we can find, I guess the perfect diet would be the one that works for you, gives you the most food freedom and makes you feel balanced with your food. And so that you can see it both as a nourishing thing and also a pleasure thing. So I couldn't agree with anything more you've said today. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know we could probably chat on for days and days, um, but I, I really do want to thank you because I've learned a lot from today's chat and I know our listeners would have as well. So please let me know where, where can our guests find you if they want to connect with you a little bit more and I'll pop links in the show notes below.
0: Yeah. fab. Um, so the best way to get in touch with me is probably Instagram. It's hold some Um, Stef, so the German way of writing it, <laughs> um, or otherwise HolzumStef.com, and um, there people can can find my my email address and everything. Um, and at the moment, I'm not offering one-on-one coaching, but I do have a online course that's self-guided um, for anyone who resonated with pretty much anything that we talked about today.
1: Okay, awesome. And just for anyone who is thinking potentially about looking into the course, what can they sort of expect?
0: Yeah. Um, so it's a nine week course, um, with the ultimate goal of, of helping you ditch toxic diet culture, overcome binge eating, emotional eating, and really make peace with food in your body. So pretty much everything that we just talked about and more so that you can just live your life without constant 24 obsession, um, around food and your body.
1: Awesome. Well, I'll pop links to the website and the Instagram below. Thank you again so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you, what your work brings in the next year or two. Thank you. Thanks Erica for having me. And that's a wrap for this week balances. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it. Or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced.